Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Broken Art Podcast. My name is Adam, your co-host. My name is Callie Medley, your other co-host. The Broken Art Podcast is where we talk about all things music, theater, the performing arts, everything else in between, and all with our amateur expertise. How are you still awake right now? Still awake. The craziest week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like we mentioned, I finished filming this this project that I was I was cast in. It was just yes. a short reading. I have I have I have a really interesting story to tell. <gasps> oh dish. Um so so it was a full-length play, a new play. Um and I was cast as the lead. Uh it's a dramatic Oh I didn't piece. know that. Yeah. Anyway. It, it well, Miss Joshua, oh my gosh, you know, if it wasn't for me, no one on this podcast would know that you're like a credible actor person. They would think <laughs> that you're like, I have been in New York for 40 years, you know, I, I'm running the circuit, you know, like, no, no, you're like a legit person. That's all I have to say. Friend break, best friend break. Okay, go ahead. Um, but so it's this fully dramatic piece about this young 15 year old girl like uh waking up one day and finding her dad missing and so she's on this mission to find him and then making discoveries about her life and her dad's life and uncovering all these lies and then coming to terms mm -hmm. with you know his eventual death i don't want to spoil it but i did oh um, yeah no spoilers no spoilers no spoilers, but I mean, it's a no huge emotional journey, right? And and so this last day of filming, we're filming the last two scenes of the play. And it's like this huge breakthrough climactic moment um, that's really emotional for all the characters. And then the last scene is uh, Lucy, my character's monologue that mm -hmm. ends the show and is really about process it's 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 going through it and mm -hmm. uh and so i'm like trying to like it, it's that day right and i know it's coming so i'm mm -hmm. like all right just got to get into that emotional place we have our dinner break the only two things we have to do are these two scenes mm -hmm. so i go to the bathroom like i'm just gonna like chill out meditate listen to a sad song and mm. then out of nowhere my nose starts bleeding no and like not just like a nosebleed like them talking like chronic like pouring blood out of my nose oh no um for how long do you think your longest nosebleed has lasted i honestly oh my gosh i've had nosebleeds since i was in like elementary school um i don't know like three five minutes i don't know i don't know what that yeah that's what is. i mean like everyone i talk to is like yeah like i don't i don't get nose but i used to get them as a kid i don't really get them anymore right. i i this happens to me and i wonder if i have a problem i wonder if something's wrong uh -huh. but like two or three times a year i'll get these like this i'll have like a week where i just like get nosebleeds and then it'll be like one really 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 bad one well this really Ooh. really really bad one happened to be on my dinner break oh which, no okay great i'm on dinner break it's like you know 5 20 i have plenty of time to get it 
under wraps. Mm-hmm. This thing lasted 40 minutes. It did not. It lasted 40 minutes. What and did it, you do? I I was literally, I, there was points where I just had to like, like let my nose like just drip, just like drip into, yeah, yeah I know. It's really gross and I should not be talking about it. Did but, you have your face <laughs> over a bucket and stuff or what? I, I I just let it drip into the toilet bowl. I didn't know what else to do. It was like, <laughs> bad. I mean, it was ridiculous, but it was like, it was, I know it's a ridiculous. But it, and, and so I'm like trying to like, and I'm trying to get into this like mode of like all this stuff, but I'm like getting lightheaded because I'm losing all this blood from my brain, <laughs> like all this stuff. Um, but I, I, I mean, I tried everything. I tried all the different tactics to like make it stop, and then mm-hmm. it just wouldn't stop. Did you and try cauterizing it with a hot needle? Um, I did not. No, <laughs> I, I, no, I did no. not. Okay. Um, but it was so random, and of course, it would happen right during that part. Did it stop by the time you well, started recording again? That's the thing. Like we were, our dinner break was over at six. And so it was like 5.55, wasn't letting up. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I stuck a little like tissue paper in my nose, put my mask back on, went to the stage manager (laughs) in my costume, which I had to get undressed because I didn't want to bleed all over my costume. Uh, So I got back, I got dressed again and went to our stage manager. I was like, hey, so I'm like dealing with this i don't know if i'm gonna be ready by the time we shoot um so just know that uh and he was a sweetie about it uh-huh. but, um so i go into the bathroom at the studio and i take out the little toilet paper from my nose and it's it's gone it's clear it like stopped like right wow dionysus was, was looking after you I, and i was like you know what maybe it's a good thing because instead of focusing all that time and getting nervous maybe mm. maybe I would have gotten nervous I was too busy like freaking out because I just didn't know what <laughs> I didn't know what the, like so oh wow to tell in lieu of you not sleeping um I have slept enough for you um, yeah you're on quarantine <laughs> part two. two yes Okay, so this is super, super fun. Um, so when I when I was really, really sick those weeks ago, um, I didn't have a positive test result. Um, I kept, you know, I kept testing. I kept testing back negative. It was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, so I assumed it was just a really, really bad flu. Um, I still don't have my sense of smell. This was this was the week before Thanksgiving that this happened, um, and now it's uh, the week. Uh, it was the ninth today, if when we're recording. Um, and oh my gosh, bless his heart. One of my roommates, he got the COVID nineteen, and that means I have to quarantine as well for another ten days, um, which is kind of sad. But um, again, I'm thankful that I don't have any symptoms yet. Um, I'm able to work from home still. Um, So uh, I've been sleeping all day and a new video game that I've been waiting for 
for literally eight years comes out tonight at 11. So catch me doing that until three in the morning tonight. It, it feels so weird to me that you had symptoms. You went through it. You, for all you know, you had COVID-19. 100%. I just think I got, I was testing at the wrong time. First time I got tested was too, way too early, I think. Okay. But, okay. So, so even though you've been through COVID and, and supposedly are immune or having a good chance of being immune, I don't know how mm-hmm. that works. Right. But, but because your roommate tested positive, now because of your, your job's policy, you have to quarantine anyway, regardless. I have to, I have to stay home because still, because I still didn't get a positive um, test result. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so there's nothing on paper to say that I did have it. Um, and then again, it could have just been a, um, a really, really bad case of the flu. We don't know. And because of that uncertainty, um, we have to go with the safety. Um, I mean, I want, I want to be at work, you know, but I got to do the safety and like, I'm still able to record the podcast. I obviously can't go to my office because that's in a different building. Um, but I'm still able to record on here and you're on my piano right now. Nice. Handy, dandy piano sort of thing. Cause I don't want to hold double chin thing. Right. Right. We were doing that. Yeah, I saw on your social media today that it's like Christmas outside. What the heck? It snowed for the first time in New York. It's officially <laughs> Christmas. I was so excited. I had just gotten out of the shower and I looked out the window and it was flurrying. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I grabbed my phone. I documented the experience. I jumped on um, I jumped past my bed like on my bed and out my window onto my fire escape still in my towel (laughs) just celebrating we're gonna get hypothermia well I mean yeah my my friend DM'd me and he was like I hope no one was standing below you Awesome. Well, hey, everyone. I'm super, super, super excited to welcome our next guest to the podcast. Uh, give a virtual round of applause to Ob. I'm assuming Ooh. everyone's clapping oh. right now. Um, Ob, like I was kind of saying in a preface, has been a dear friend of ours for many, many, many years. Um, when both of us, uh, when we had more hair, I mean, I wasn't balding or anything <laughs> at the time. Um, but we go way back to like orchestra days. Oh yeah, like everything. freshman year. I mean, even before like all city orchestra in like sixth and seventh grade. Oh my gosh. And I just- We've been going strong. We were going, we've been going strong for a long time. And I remember my first impression of you was just being an, a, a baller cello player. Like <laughs> I didn't know that you like played guitar or like, uh, you were a French horn beast at the time. Oh. I, I heard you play cello and I was like, what the heck? I forget what notes are on the staff sometimes. What's going oh on? Oh my God, you're so uh, kind. <laughs> uh, but how are you? How have you been? Like, what's going on? Um, well, I'm still in Colorado. Um, I just graduated in May with my French horn degree. Yes. University of Northern nice. Colorado. Eat. Nice. It was. What's the, what's the uh, mascot there? at the uh bears 
Oh, go bears. Yeah, go bears. Uh, it's like skull, skull bears, I think people say. I think I went to one sports game the whole time that I lived. (laughs) It's okay. This is a is a music and theater podcast. Yeah, we're not we're not getting any of that traffic. You're in good company. You're in good company. Yeah, I. Yeah, we graduated. uh, It was lackluster because the school was out already and it was online. And then on my graduation day, I. Bought a large bottle of wine and cried on my floor. (laughs) I think that's Um, a good coping thing to do. You know, you're still kind of celebrating last day of school, you know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was, it was definitely a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Since graduating, I'm still living in Greeley. I'm doing a year here. Mm -hmm. Um, The plan was to work full time and save up. Not really working because of pandemic, but you know, um, I am living in a very cute, like, 19th century apartment building um, with my my dear friend and my two cats and my pet snail. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have to say, um, Ob's um, Instagram aesthetic, top shelf. Oh my God. Top shelf stuff. And I did not know that a snail could be photogenic. Like, I know we're going to talk about like (laughs) arts and music stuff later, like the goal of this, but But, I want to talk. No, no. Snail. Snail. <laughs> snail. I like I didn't get it at first until I saw a video of your snail like eating like a leaf or something and it had like a nice little fuzzy filter and there was like Lana Del Rey or something playing in the background. I don't <laughs> yeah. but I was like it was probably like Pine Grove. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. And I was thinking like where can I get a photogenic set? So like what what's with snails on? Can you give us a run up? What's with um so <laughs> So last year I um, had like a super rough breakup. Like, you know, when you date someone and you're like, oh, oh man, no, you're not the, no, bad. Yeah. And then you uh-huh. have to like get out of there, but like gracefully, cause you've been dating them for a long time. Mm. Um, had to do that. And uh, I, was, I was really going through it. And my friend put on her Instagram story one day, she was like, hi everyone. Um, so I bought a snail from Ukraine and they're not legal to have here because they mess up the ecosystem of their release into the wild. But then they sent me two. Do you want one? And I was like, me, I want a snail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no idea how to take care of it. I drove to Denver that day to pick up this giant African land snail. Um, and I named him Pistachio. And oh. he is... I mean, like he's, I've had him for a year and the lifespan is 10 years, but he's only half grown and he's going to be like, like that big when he's finished oh, growing. Oh my God. For reference, that's like a little bit bigger than a softball, right? Yeah. Or- like he'll be like a pound probably. He'll be like a whole pound and oh his, his shell is going to be really, yeah. He's like, <laughs> when he's fully extended, he's like, uh like eight or nine inches long right now Whoa. oh my <laughs> scary. gosh that is so cool there's so much backstory to talk about okay so what's the breed of the snail called again um giant african land snail okay giant african <laughs> land snail. your friend got it from the ukraine yes illegally two illegally, <laughs> illegally got two from the re- <laughs> for the price of one from the ukraine in denver and, and now in you denver have- 
now I have yeah I um Denver is like an hour from here but like the traffic's gotten so bad lately so it's like an hour and a half at least and then an hour another like 30 minutes to find parking and I was like I don't care two hours I'm ready um (laughs) but it's uh yeah we're we're going strong he's very picky he only likes lettuce um <laughs> I try to get him to eat healthy things and he'll just like go into his shell and then like try to go into hibernation and I'm like no don't we all don't we all <laughs> oh my god I am like I don't want to eat broccoli either it's okay <laughs> I I would go on my tirade about how I want an opossum but this is not what this podcast is about yeah we can we have a separate about... opossum podcast we could we could have in a, a podcast a yeah pod- <laughs> Yeah, um, we can so. have our own exotic, <laughs> like fun animal podcast that we could have. Yeah, and I'm here for that. Review them and stuff. Oh my gosh, the Broken Art Podcast Podcast Network. All right, we are getting so off topic, but <laughs> oh, when yeah, do we so ever good. stay on topic? Um, so again, thank you for coming on. So first things first, what's your history with like being a musician and a performer? Like, when did you start? Where did that journey lead you until, you know, now graduating with performance in the um, really, really circular, long French uh, trumpet thing called the French horn? Oh, yes. Um, well, uh, like most, I don't know, I feel like most music kids, um, I started playing piano when I was five. Um, my teacher was like a DePaul graduate, very, oh, wow. very strict very very hard ass like mm-hmm. uh made me practice 140 minutes a week when I was like six years old wow. and made me like record it and write it down for her um and I was genuinely always afraid when going into lessons that I wasn't going to be good enough mm-hmm. and so um I kind of had like that uh like the overworking culture put into me as a very young child by oh, wow. a well-wishing but like too intense teacher for like little kids you know right. um I it's, hard to, with... oh, it's hard to take a kindergartner to even sit for like two minutes I've been teaching elementary music classroom for a couple weeks having them sit for one minute to do something is a chore so like 140 minutes that boggles my mind oh my gosh yeah it was a lot um it was a lot <laughs> but I took lessons with her until the end of junior year of high school um but at that point I started playing the cello I started cello when I was five also but then I quit for a little bit and then took it back up again at 10 and then started playing the flute and the horn at 10 like in fifth grade when they start you in band um Mm -hmm. and at that point uh I was just like you know I mean the drill of uh, go home and practice like four different things and then rehearse for your like four different ensembles. Oh my gosh. Do your homework and like, you know, be a person. Um, and it was definitely like, I look back on myself when like in high school and even like middle school and elementary school. I was like, wow, I kind of like deprived myself of a lot of, I think we all did like the mm-hmm. music programs that we were in were really incredible but they also asked a lot of us especially if you were double dipping so intense yes if you were because we were you know there's such a high standard um and i also believe in this generation there's such a high standard put on um you know kids i think uh, way too young um yeah. and it hey, instills such a 
a really great sense of artistic integrity um, and what it means to be an artist. But the second time we're overworking these kids a lot. Yeah, keep going with that. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was just so much and like not to be dramatic, but um, my brain kind of formed around I mean, you know, I feel like everyone's kind of a people pleaser when they're a kid because they want their parents to be proud of them and they want to be liked. Um, but I figured out from a very early age that like if I was good at music, my parents would be proud of me and then other people would like me and think that I was good. Mm. And mm. I mean, you know, unhealthy coping mechanisms all day. Yes, <laughs> support that. I paid my therapist too much to talk I, about that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I just go in circles sometimes, but uh <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was kind of like, you know, I don't know, I have pretty like intense OCD. um, And like, I will latch onto something and then like, hang on to it for literal dear life. Because I somehow convinced myself that like, other things won't work. It's like black or white. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so music became very, very quickly a means of like, receiving love from other people rather than just playing music because I love it um Mm -hmm. and like I mean I mean yeah we were pretty good pals in high school and Mm -hmm. I I do not like who I was in high school (laughs) like I feel like I'm not even I I feel like I'm barely that person at all like not even close and yeah but I look back on it and I'm just like man I I just like didn't know you know I mean you're just you're 15 16 and all you've known is being really good at stuff and right. winning awards in music and having everyone be proud of you. And then you sit down at the end of the day and you're like, do I like this though? <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. I, I think when you're going back to trying to think, okay, how, how is that sustainable? Right. Mm-hmm. If you're kind of, there's always kind of like this avalanche of like, okay, now to the next thing. How can I, how can I keep getting this approval that from this, I think is the only way to get this approval from, you, you know? And I think this is a great segue into, you know, we grew up in a very conservative state in a very conservative town. Um, and the three of us, the three of us, we are from yeah. the same place. <laughs> no deck BBs. <laughs> no, no deck people who are now in three different time zones. Mm-hmm. How far we've come. Uh, but I'm surprised that when I, you know, I'm talking to both of you, of like, we turned out completely different than what we were raised to be, you, you know? Absolutely. I think. Um, so like, when you graduated from high school and then you made the choice to go out of state and uh, to pursue a degree in music, what was that like? What was that thought process like? Were you thinking about, oh my gosh, get me the heck out of this part of the state or like oh there's this great program over here what was that thought process like I think it was kind of a little bit of both of those things um Mm -hmm. I was dying to get out of North Dakota um Mm -hmm. from the moment that we moved there when I was like four three and a half um I literally just like felt in my gut I was like I do not belong here and Mm -hmm. like not in, in any like I'm too good for this place kind of way but like like that's not it at all it's like a just it was like a dissonance like mm-hmm. I mean you know like the culture there is really intense um right 
or lack of culture. Um, <laughs> Where's the flavor? <laughs> Where's the flavor? Um, yeah, so I, I just like went straight to music. I was like, I have to do music. Mm-hmm. Um, French horn is like the instrument that I like the most. It's I have this like I'm like naturally good at it. I feel like I have a good work ethic, so I feel like I'll do well in music school, and I want to be in an orchestra. Um, and I really hung on to that probably for way too long because once I started going, I mean, my first semester of college, um, we did auditions mm-hmm. and I, I mean, obviously worked really hard on my audition piece and uh, went on audition with all of my friends and we stayed up till midnight when they post the results because that's like the thing they do here. They like make you stay oh, wow. up and everyone goes and looks at midnight and it's like really dramatic. <laughs> um, wow, stressful. Yeah, it's very stressful. Um, but I just remember it was like pouring rain and we like sprinted all the way to Fraser Hall, which is like our music hall. And mm-hmm. we were all like rejoicing over our ensemble placements. And um, I had not looked at mine because I was just like concerned with everybody else's. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, what about yours? What did you make? And I looked and they had put me in symphony and wind ensemble and a graduate brass quintet. And those are like, like those are like the top ensembles for classical music, like classical music majors here. Wow. And I like instantly had a target on my back. Oh, wow. It was, I mean, like it was a good experience. Like I had a lot mm-hmm. of, it was, you know, thrown into the fire. I was not, I was not musically mature enough to be in those groups at the level that they wanted me to be at. But like, sure. Yeah. Like it wasn't like it was super fun. Like I worked, I practiced until like midnight every night um, oh my gosh but it was like yeah it was really hard to like go about classes with all these people that I literally only saw in class because we never had ensembles together mm. and it just kind of like made me really question like it doesn't make me feel very good that I like did better better than other people mm-hmm. or like they thought I would be better in these ensembles and it doesn't make me feel very good to perform separate from people that I care about Mm-hmm. and like it was it was like a lot of cognitive dissonance because I really wanted it but at the same time it was kind of like claustrophobic in a way you know yeah, yeah. you're kind of put in that position where it's like I think and I honestly believe this I think fine arts majors I especially think like music majors in particular I think they a lot of them look back on their college career and be like was that fun you know, because I'm, you know, I'm going to be graduating soon. I'm going to be moving or whatever. And I'm kind of thinking about like all the time I spend in like a practice room and practicing for ensembles and all these ensemble rehearsals. And the expectation is that, okay, this is what we're going to be doing for the, what they perceive what we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives. We're going to, we're going to make them go into it because of what makes them better. And like, we're part of quality things. Right, but that kind of just kind of takes away from what college is supposed to be and what it is for a lot of people. Um, And you're kind of shoehorned into that. So like, what did you do to like kind of stay creative through that entire time and be like, you know, I'm gonna choose the music. I'm gonna choose the arts every day. Um, What's that like? I, it took me a minute to kind of find my niche to do, like do that here um because I literally did not know one person <laughs> in this city I just moved here um 
but I had this coffee job and I met somebody who played at like played on the like worship team at this like really cool like inclusive hip church and I mentioned that I played cello and they were like oh my god come play with us um and I showed up and then like uh, next thing you know I next thing I know I'm like committed to being on this like worship team Mm -hmm. um and then through that I met my bandmate um who's like pretty established in this town and he um has a band called giants and pilgrims uh which i guess that's my band now too <laughs> oh <laughs> nice I, yeah i i met him and we just like yeah it was nothing like music school like he was like you come and we can play like folk tunes we can play like covers um we opened for Devotchka last year which was like the best day of my whole freaking life like oh my gosh it was so magical I cried so hard I was like this (laughs) is all and I mean but this was like it totally you know separate from my musical studies Mm -hmm. pretty much I was singing and playing cello and playing horn occasionally and it was just just fun and I like I credit that to like pulling me out of my like stuck in the mud of trying to prove my worth with a chunk of metal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's uh, great, Callie. Do you have anything before I kind of move well, on to the next? Well, and then here? you also had some time overseas, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk? I, about yeah, that? I did. Yeah. Um, I kind of forgot about that for a second. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually like dream in Korean, like. I don't know that much <gasps> Korean, but I'll like dream where I'm having conversations or I'm like back at my old school. So it's like, it was so memorable for me. Um, but I went to Korea uh, spring of 2019 for my spring junior semester. Um, so I like did my recital early and everything so I could just have like three months off of school because their semester starts late. Um, mm-hmm. And then I went there and they I I wasn't in music school there I was just taking four regular like classes Mm. and had literally all the time in the world I had like four days off a week and the other days where I didn't have off I only had class for like three hours so wow Wow. yeah and it was like four and a half months of like free time in a beautiful beautiful space um with an incredible music building I could just go and play piano and I brought my horn so I could just like play horn if I wanted to but um was there and I was just like I dedicated time every day to journaling and um just like letting myself feel my feelings that I have like turned off for the past amount of years just to like Mm -hmm. get through stuff um and yeah, I figured out that I was gay when I was in Korea. Support it. Support it. We love it. Yeah, it was it was wild. I was just journaling <laughs> one day and I was like, what? Because <laughs> like you guys, I like I like had a girlfriend when I was younger. And I was so like we weren't like um, we were like little-ish. Like I think uh-huh. I was like 12 or 13. But like I had completely forgotten about it because I was so ashamed. I was like, I am like so embarrassed. I can never tell my parents, like they can never know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had like 
just gone into my like trauma erased brain you know <laughs> right uh-huh um and then it like came back to me one day and I literally was so like just dumbfounded I was like wow mm-hmm. this is wild so it was just like a total reset for my brain to just mm-hmm. come back to America and pursue things that I'm really interested in because at that point I was like okay I don't really want to be in an orchestra but I'm three quarters of the way through this degree I just need to get it done right um and so I came back and senior year I made it a point to take private like theory lessons with um one of our theory department heads um who used to be like he was a professor at like UNT and like McGill so I was just like Uh damn I need to study with you yeah uh and I just thought I would just do like a refresh so that I wouldn't like fail my grad entrance exams (laughs) um (laughs) and then we ended up just like digging so deep into like atonal analysis and like um we only study like women composers and um he was like you know what you are like this is like something you could do like you could be a theorist like you could be a professor you could I mean he's like you're a badass and you could be a badass and teach other people how to be badass yeah like, <laughs> it was so cool it was just like and I don't think I would have found that out if I hadn't have gone to Korea if I hadn't have had that experience to just like you know hang out with yourself and think about what you actually want to do not have to like work or study every second of your life yeah. oh my gosh yeah and it's so interesting that you talked about um having a girlfriend like I my first kiss was with a girl and like I like I've had like experiences and feelings for women but like my entire life I just totally didn't like validate those experiences and I almost like wrote them off as like not even happening right Mm -hmm. like and so I totally get that. Like, and then you come and you're by yourself and you're kind of evaluating your life and in whatever ways. And then you're like, oh, wait, I think that was something. I think. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, it's, it's so crazy. And, and I think growing up in the town that we did and like how closed off everyone was and, and still are, right. That we just mm-hmm. kind of. It, it's this really big societal thing that 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 we've struggled with that we've had to try to navigate through and like thank god we all like you know have spent time away from that and and have been able to to come to terms with not come to terms but embrace ourselves and, and get to know yeah. ourselves you know see what happens we left and then we all became queer and that was- <laughs> It was something in the water. We literally all, wow, (laughs) mass exodus, mass gay exodus. We're coming for you. We are going to take over the world. Oh my God. It's the agenda. They're turning the frogs gay. Um, Oh my God. I saw this thing. uh, I think I posted it on my story a couple of days ago, but it was like, millennials, why is everyone suddenly gay? And it was like, because we were able to live past 30 and like, we missed out on like, I mean, as queer young people, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously North Dakota, we wouldn't get that anyway, but like our elders, like queer elders 
pretty much got killed off by HIV mm-hmm. and like also like starvation and homelessness and police brutality. And it's like, wow, like we like if we would have grown up even somewhere that wasn't North Dakota, we still wouldn't have had like that. Like, right. oh, I yeah. know this person that's like 60 and is a lesbian. Like, yeah. I didn't know and, any lesbians. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And and even if, you know, the, the the those that have survived, you know, it it's still like there are some cases where it's it's still secret and it's still a secret part of their lives that they aren't mm-hmm. willing to share because, you know, it you know, it's just it's heartbreaking. It's yeah. heartbreaking. And I'm glad like, that yeah. Oh, go ahead. oh uh I was, it's just like it's presented to us as children like as I mean you know it's like this is something to be ashamed of like I I have like a vivid memory of my mom taking me like she was on Facebook when I was a kid and she was like oh my god look at this guy that I went to school with he thinks that he's a girl now and like is so like she like just gave me this whole description of like how lost and full of like just like filled with the devil this like beautiful black trans woman was Mm. and I just like remember like making the like connotation like trans gay satan (laughs) (laughs) right Uh uh-huh and it takes a while to get over that you know especially when you're like oh man is that me (laughs) well it was when you're with that sort of otherness that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I grew up and uh, I have a sibling that's gay and I have a, a cousin who's trans. And when I was younger, that was such a like, shh, don't mm. tell anyone something. Oh, so yeah. f- for, you know, me or whatever, I grew up in like, uh, uh, uh-oh, you know? Um, is but that now, person pretty? <laughs> is that person pretty? No, it's evil to find that person pretty. But now we are able to grow, and I think that's the, I think that's such a beautiful thing about kind of the culture that we're in right now. With, I mean, acknowledging all of the bad things that happened. I think a lot of the good things right now is that people like us and people around the world um, who come from more conservative areas who have great people there and who have changed my life and you know I'll be teaching back there um, in a couple mm-hmm. weeks so it's not like I think it's like the worst place on earth but that we're able to grow um, in ourselves and find acceptance where we wouldn't be able to find that before you know mm-hmm. and kind of lean into ourselves in that fact um, so this is kind of a great transition into like kind of talking about inclusivity right um, yeah and like how with some past traumas that we've had and with this present um, gift to create music, how can we reconcile that? Like, how do you use music of, or the arts? Um, what vehicle is that for you? Like, what's the relationship between the two about uh, being queer in the arts and being an active uh, musician and creator? That's like something that I think about really quite often um, because my current plan is to get my master's and PhD in theory, um, like specializing in atonal theory by women and like people of color composers, um, because like it's music academia, as you know, just loves white men. Um, They, I think it's an unhealthy obsession. 
it's the really whole country, scary. Like, it's the whole country. <laughs> Welcome to America. If you're not white and a guy, fuck you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, I was really discouraged going through all of my theory courses, all of my forms analysis and styles and context and history of instruments and early music and it only being white people and like straight people which like nothing wrong with straight people we love you hat babies but at the same time like it was just like really discouraging to get home and be like cool I just spent my entire day learning about like Mm -hmm. you know um so like as a professor when I'm a professor um I think one of the biggest steps I'm going to take to like using music um, academics in specific to like highlight like diversity at all in um, music theory um, mm-hmm. as I, I really want to write a textbook. I have like, I don't know how you guys felt about like atonal theory, but like it's my favorite topic in the whole world. I'm obsessed with it. That's how you know you should be a theory teacher. <laughs> yeah. If you look at Schoenberg and Tone Rose and Serialism and you're like, I love this, then let, let please go off and be a theory <laughs> teacher. You have an obligation to do that. I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was so wild. I had to take the, I took theory four and I was just like, I would like literally cry every class because I was just like so fascinated. I was like, this oh is so God. beautiful. It's in the numbers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, uh, at the same time, we learned about Schoenberg, we learned about Fabern, um, learned about Shostakovich, we learned about all these, like Debussy and his like later stuff. Great, lovely composers, geniuses. Um, however, it's taught one way and it's taught with like the same five composers. And I own like five theory textbooks um, and all of them are the same basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really want to be that asshole professor who writes their own textbook <laughs> but like have it be makes the kids buy them I know be like listen it's not that expensive I'm really sorry um it'll be teed I love you everybody um like I like picture it all the time like my first class shows up and it's like first day of school and I look out and I have everybody introduce themselves like I have them tell me their pronouns I tell them my pronouns like mm-hmm. we have this like understanding of like respect between each other and like then we spend the year fostering an environment where like I teach them about people who have literally sacrificed everything to write music and have given up their families their countries their whole lives to create something that means something to them and then nobody wrote about them because they weren't like I (laughs) um so that's that's one of the most important things to me for my career in academics. I and I know that will, there will be pushback. I've already received pushback from professors in discussions with them of being like, "Hey, I took all your classes. I had you for like eight semesters, <laughs> literally. Um, maybe would you be able to like? Is there any way you could incorporate some diversity in here? Like, there are. I mean, whether you like it or not, there were black composers writing the same thing as white composers." and there's Believe nothing it or not. about them <laughs> yeah <laughs> like can you can you even imagine um <laughs> and even better really yeah truly yeah. um and like women composers and mm-hmm. yeah it's just 
it's really, it's a very touchy subject because music academia and academia in general is very, you know, it's very like, it's, it's sacred, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, this is the way, this is tradition, this is how it's, you know, this is the way and it's the only way. It's yeah, unwilling to change with the times. And I think that's where a lot of arts programs get, you know, uh, outdated and lost and disconnected. And, and even in theater, you know, mm -hmm. people are afraid of telling stories and, and want to revive, you know, whatever, instead of telling new stories of people who are living in today's world. Yeah, because I mean, like, it's, it's literally our life, like, Mm -hmm. why why wouldn't we want to talk about it and teach people about it because there's a point where it's like okay you've gone back too far <laughs> like this was hundreds of years ago yeah <laughs> what about what's happening today you know mm -hmm. um yeah and it's yeah it's stodgy and it's <clears throat> gonna be hard um I'm kind of bracing myself for a lot of like transphobia in academia because like I want to talk at conferences and you know, I mean, it's hard to make people refer to you correctly as a 22 year old when you're like, hey, my pronouns are they, them. And <laughs> but they're going to be like, yeah, it'll be hard. But um, mm -hmm. that, I don't know. That's kind of my my thoughts on that in like academia, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. In like performing whenever I'm doing like fun concerts, like with my band, um, whenever we play a song that either I picked or like arranged or wrote, um, I always kind of talk about it a little bit and I, I feel like when you go to a concert and you are listening to the artists like speak between the pieces or like the songs to like tell you about why they were written like mm -hmm. that's always what I remember the most from concerts because like you can I mean I love live performances but the songs exist elsewhere but like those little stories in between um are really like beautiful intimate moments with your audience and like theirs with your with you I guess um like speak about like hey like this is a song I wrote when I had to leave somebody because like I realized that I was queer and like it was really heavy and um you know like that kind of stuff um and that's really special to me as like a performer but also um being able to present people with like something people who might not have any kind of space in their head for like people that are different than them to present them with like a sweet, relatable moment that they connect with to be like, oh, dang, like I thought the gays were wild. And then that person just told me that they loved someone, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, it's not all gay bars and gay clubs. It's <laughs> yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I am I am such a soft gay you guys like it's <laughs> I'm just a baby I'm so sensitive so far this has just been wholly inspiring to hear you talk about this it truly truly has been um so when I think about that like because you're like literally inspiring me right now I think that's super awesome um who kind of like ins who's like inspired you as an artist like, who is kind of like taken your like just idea and affection of being an artist or a person in general and be like oh my gosh I want to emulate what they do yeah who is that for you or who are they for you oh man okay I wrote them down because a I'm obsessed with lists but b I get anxious and forget everything that I 
thought I knew. Um, so I have, I have a kind of a bunch, but like for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of my biggest inspirations <laughs> is like, okay, the like Phoebe Bridgers, uh, Lucy Dacus, and um, wow, I can't I remember her name, Julian Baker. Um, like their little, the whole like, they kind of started this thing in like indie rock music of like, hi, here's like messy. Well, I mean, they started it like for their little like section of like followers and stuff mm-hmm. of just being like, this is like my, like these are my messy feelings and I'm gonna sing about them. And like, maybe this is a little TMI, but like, I don't care because I loved someone and they stopped loving me or I didn't feel like I fit in for 10 years of my life in this place or I need to go back to therapy, but I can't do it right now. So I'm going to like vent. And um, that those artists have really inspired me a lot as a songwriter or just like a person in general to like embrace um, like softness, you know, like mm-hmm. being like, hey, like I know that we're all classically trained, but I want to write a song it doesn't make sense and there's no form to it like there's no verse chorus there's no ac whatever like it's just me like showing you my emotions and like that's okay um because you know you're told and taught and trained to put on this like a totally straight face and just get through things um so those are some artists who have really inspired me in kind of that realm music and composer wise WC, the man was an asshole. He was a terrible person. <laughs> he was arguably a big old God. I'm partial to Ravel because um, oh, he's a little bit more of a song. <laughs> Ravel's my favorite composer, so he's like he's that so little. Song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, talk he didn't about know Debussy. he was writing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know it. He just kept orchestrating it a different way each oh. time. <laughs> yeah i love wc not really as a person but um as a composer his evocations of color and feeling and love and sound and texture and places and thoughts um blow my mind i mean like his like um just like simple like arias that he wrote um for, like art songs um he uses one in the key of E um, and does this whole thing where he makes E the water, like the note, the water, and has the singer be the bird. And this bird is flying in and out of the water, talking about this person that she loves. And at the end, she is taken away from the person that she loves and the bird falls in the water and it goes E, E, E down the octaves. Like that kind of stuff is it's heartbreaking to me like that's it's so beautiful and like that's what I think about when I think of like the essence of why I want to study music and why I want to be a theorist because I have not one composition bone in my body like I can write like a like an indie song but I can't write a music piece (laughs) (laughs) it's just not it and it's okay because there are plenty of people who can do that um but I I did this research project last year um, on my next inspiring person who's Ursula Mamlock. Um, she is a Holocaust, well, she died a couple of years ago. I think she died in 2016. Um, 
but she was a Holocaust survivor, like escaped with her family to Ecuador when she was like 14. Um, and like her whole family's Jewish and like they barely escaped and it was like and all their other family that wasn't just her immediate family were killed by Nazis. And like, just she left her whole life behind and then went to the Mana School of Music in New York. Um, and when she was 17 <laughs> and just was like this genius, wow. like pioneer for like, she kind of set the stage for like women atonal composers because um, she even said, I watched a bunch of interviews with her and she always said that like, she, she's like, I like to think of my style as like atonality that you feel like it's, it's like holding tonality. Like, it's like, you want it to be tonal, you think it's in a key and then it takes it in a different direction. Um, and studying her music was like so humbling to me as a musician because I studied a 32 bar piece, um, one page, just a piano piece and no one else has ever written a paper on it. And I was like, okay, I have no references. I guess I'll just analyze it. And it took me the whole semester <laughs> to analyze a 32 bar piece. Oh, wow. Like, because every time I looked at it, I found something new. It was a tone row and then a pattern and then like inversions of the tone row. And then the patterns turning out to be the golden ratio of Fibonacci sequence. And um, wow, it was like, it was like birth, it was like my birthday every day. I was like, this is so, <laughs> it was like, it was like crack, you guys. Like, I, was like, <laughs> I was having so much fun and we were like sitting in my professor's office and we would just be like, yes, and like high five. Um, but the thing that made me love her the very most was um, about that piece. It's called Love Song with the Pigeons. And you know, Callie, being New York, um, the American rock pigeon is a very invasive species. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they are everywhere. And you can't walk around New York without seeing them. Yeah, um, they're the real New Yorkers, really. They're, they're, <laughs> they're the real, the real like, old Italian grandmothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are one of the few species um, of animals that um, mate for life, which is really special for such like a simple bird, you would think. Um, and that got me thinking. I was like, okay, cool. She's writing about pigeons. This piece was a birthday gift for her husband there's two pigeons they seem to have a connection and then I figured out that she had like made her and her husband the pigeons in the song and made the um reverse um tone row the tone row and then it's it's uh, antithesis mm -hmm. two pigeons and they like actually with the notes arc around each other in the dance that pigeons do to mate and choose each other for life oh my <laughs> gosh blowing my yeah. mind oh my <laughs> you guys i sobbed i was like i, <sighs> I couldn't i was like not okay <laughs> it was beautiful and like that was the moment where my brain was like this is what you're doing like i don't care how long it takes you like i want i want so badly to be able to take all of that joy and wonder that i experience and like give that to students because I want to be the teacher or a teacher that doesn't just like you know you show up to the, the class and you're like cool it's gonna be an hour and 15 minutes of notes I love it <laughs> um but yeah that's long story short um 
those are my like like music people that I really look up to um mm-hmm. I love Mary Oliver as a poet mm-hmm. um her oh like her poem wild geese it starts like you do not have to be good you don't have to walk on your knees like you don't have to follow the pattern of everybody else and just be part of a crowd like you can be yourself and like you are loved and you are safe and you are enough in that and that is so meaningful to me as a little human because like Mm -hmm. it's hard to believe that you guys (laughs) Mm -hmm. just feel so small but then mary oliver really drags me out of that (laughs) 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 Um, and then of course of course the beautiful princess diana I have a recent oh. obsession with her. <laughs> uh, we've we've talked about um, our joint love for the Netflix yes. drama series The Crown. Her complete willingness, first of all, her like tenacity to be like to like approach Charles at a party and be like, hell yeah, like hi, I'm really sorry about your uncle. Like that really sucks. You must be really devastated. Mm-hmm. Like to just offer sympathy to someone she literally didn't know. And like, I mean. Prince Charles is the worst, but like, I mean, <laughs> mega gross. He's still alive. I hope you watch this, Prince Charles. Um, but <laughs> her whole family and her friends were like, You've been presented with this totally fortunate situation. Like, she was basically forced to be princess. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like, they were forced to get engaged super early because, like, Philip told them to. Just like the fact that she like learned how to be a princess as an 18 year old, like within a couple of weeks. It was My just like, gosh, incredible. And the dedication that she put forward only to be met by people who like didn't love her well and didn't take care of her and didn't have her best interest in mind and just wanted her to be a trophy wife, you know? Mm-hmm. And the fact that she kept her individuality and like was really open about her eating disorder and like her mental yeah. health issues. That was really huge for me because like to see somebody that the entire literal entire world worshipped be like, yeah, man, like I I struggle with this eating disorder and it's like really crippling and it's hard for me. And I mean, like her, I don't know if you've watched the documentary of like late uh, Diana in her own words that's on my watch list that's on my it's list. heartbreaking because there are a lot of other documentaries that paint her as like a mooch and a poser and like a victim um like victimizing herself but she I feel was very very misunderstood and wasn't even attempted to be understood by her entire royal family mm-hmm. and just the fact that she came out of all of that with grace and kindness was just like I mean I, I'm not, I don't relate to her on like a life level, but I think she's incredible. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I the love whole her thing so much. with leading with kindness, I think is so important because she could never uh, be what they wanted her to be. Like she kept trying and trying and trying until she wanted to be the people's princess, you know, yeah. queen for everybody sort of thing. And I think that's so inspiring and you don't see political figures. You don't, you don't see like really well-known people lead with that compassion and outwardly just, I'm going to step forward and love everybody despite what the foundation is telling me to do. And I think that's so wholly inspiring. I think that's so, so awesome. 
her whole thing with um <coughs> like highlighting like people who are in the hospital with AIDS that was like so emotional for me because um I mean anybody in the queer community like we owe our lives and our rights and our acceptance in society to so many people who went through the AIDS crisis and still have I mean there are like so many people who are current you know like it's just mm-hmm. but the fact that she went to an AIDS hospital like a children's unit and was like I'm gonna go hang out with these kids and give them a hug and tell them that I love them like no gloves as long as I you mean, can get get over the fact that their mouths never open past this point that it's always hippie I'm smiling I'm smiling can you tell Philip William, I love you. I'm so happy to announce that it is Christmas Day, 1964. <laughs> I promise my life, whether it be long or short, will be dedicated to upholding the sanctity of the Commonwealth. Just like, where do you learn? Okay, so here's the thing. Callie knows this about me. Uh, I wasn't originally going to major in music. I was going to major in history. And I was, Ooh. my focus was going to be on European monarchies because I find them ah. so messed up and so interesting. But these folks, they lived in their weird little castle until World War One, and they have this wildly weird accent that nobody has. It's nobody. so weird. Like it's, they're weird, like Welsh weird roots. And it's just, why? Why do you say Hippie, like hippie. <laughs> 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 her, her 21st birthday speech. I, you should just do a podcast of just you imitating. <laughs> well, uh, this is Adam Gibner, and this is my impression of Claire Foy giving uh, Queen Princess this is my audition for the Crown season five. Uh, this has been so fantastic. Uh, before Callie and I do our outro stuff. Um, there's something that uh, Kelly and I would love you to plug on this. What what do you have to plug for us? As you know, I am a non-binary human, um, and having been just discom- like super uncomfy in my body for like my whole life, um, I'm going to be needing top surgery, which is really exciting, but uh, it's also really expensive. So. Um, Yes, I have a GoFundMe that I started um, for myself, which feels weird, but um, queer people deserve things. So uh, support, <laughs> yes. support queer people in your life, uh, Giving Tuesday, whatever holiday giving you like to do. Mm-hmm. That's a really good place to put that money, um, not just for myself, but other people. Um, but yeah, I my Instagram is underscore just a peach. Um, my profile is public right now. And my GoFundMe is linked in my bio. Um, if you feel we'll like that's something, we'll put the link down in the description for this as well. Yeah, um, so and I mean, obviously, well. no pressure or anything, but um, yeah, it is there. And um, I just, yeah, it's very up in the air of how much insurance will cover. But basically, they're like, "Cool, we can do that for you." It's ten thousand dollars. <laughs> 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 yeah so i had my consultation and everything which was fun but um yeah that's very exciting um thank you guys for letting me plug that i appreciate it it would mean a lot to me if anybody donated 
Oh my yeah. gosh, we do appreciate you. Um, so please, 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 everyone, um, go to our description, follow um, Ab at underscore just a peach, go into that bio and click on that link there. Ab, thank you so, so much uh, for being here. Uh, virtual land, let's give Ab one more. Oh, love you. I love um, you guys too. I miss you so much. <laughs> you too. Callie, where can they find us? You can find us at Broken Art Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts and wherever you are on social media. Uh, if you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast or have any topic ideas or anything that you want to say to us it could be just a random fact about yourself you can use the hashtag bapod on instagram facebook twitter uh, you can also email us at brokenartpodcast at gmail.com with any questions comments or concerns oh my gosh and just a reminder um support ob in their top surgery again at underscore just a peach you can find that link in the bio or you can find the link in this description. And as always, everyone, take your broken heart and make it into art. We'll see you next time. See you.